In the late 1970s, a trio of young men, Jim Abrahams and brothers David and Jerry Zucker, were writing the script for a little comedy motion picture you might have heard of called Airplane. There's actually an exclamation point on that. Airplane. One of the roles the writers created was for the co-pilot of the aforementioned plane, and perhaps strangely, the team wanted to hire a sports superstar in that role. Abrahams and the Zuckers thought it would be fun if they got a living legend, a record breaker, one of the best to ever play the game to play Roger Murdoch, airplane co-pilot. So, of course, the masterminds behind Airplane wrote the part for Pete Rose. That's true. We don't know why Pete Rose didn't take the role. Did he stink up the audition? They filmed the movie during the summer. Maybe Pete was playing. Or maybe Pete Rose was under the thumb of Skyline Willie Hutch, Cincinnati's most dangerous bookie and loan shark. Maybe he was underwater, you know? It's one of the universe's great unanswered questions, and sometimes the universe has a funny way of making things work out. Because the Zucker brothers, who were from Wisconsin, went to the bench and called on former Milwaukee Buck turned Los Angeles Lakers superstar Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now that's a substitution. And this is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decide whether to induct them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. This episode is brought to you by the Ball is Life Podcast Network. You know what it is. I'm your host. My name is Neil. I'm the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Filipino, half Austin Reeves. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan, Mr. Not always right, but never, ever wrong. The dollar store, Kurt Rambus, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. Today's episode of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast could be sponsored by, could be sponsored by if these people choose to, it could be sponsored by the estate and musical back catalog of hip-hop prodigy gone too soon, Nathaniel Dwayne Hale, a.k.a. Nathan Dog, a.k.a. Nate Dog. All the hood rats still shake it for me. All my true fans still check it for me. All the real smokers know they ain't passing nothing but dope and deep. Real trees, chronic leaves, no seeds. A lot of people are sponsored by modern things, things that are out in the marketplace. <laughs> I'm willing to take money from people who are no longer producing content, from people who are no longer even here. But I'll tell the people listening to this show to listen to that person that said their old work. I'll drum up new interest. Does that sound of any interest to you, 90s artists? New business off old work? I can do that for you. Nate Dog, pardon, whoever runs the estate for Nate Dog, please hit me up. Don't want to lead you on. 
our guest today, who has not yet been introduced, do you have anything to say about Nate Dog? Uh, I love him. Uh, I used to do a game with my friends where we picked our favorite uh, artists and who would be sing in our ultimate rock group. And I always chose Nate Dog. And my friends thought I was joking. <laughs> and I never was joking. He's so good. I think of him as like the Robert Ori of the music world. A perfect compliment and teammate to just about anyone. I think he fits on any team in any era perfectly. What about this one? For the who be talking loud and holding his talking shit, he better lay low. This ain't a shot some shit about him. Now she's sick. She better lay low. This will be claiming my hood and really ain't for my gang. Better lay low. I hope he don't be thinking I'm just talking and I won't do a thing. Really hope so. What about that one? I'm going to lay low on uh, talking about that song. Whoever owns this music, if they want me to do an episode, a full segment about it and talk about it, I'm willing to do that. That's something I'm willing to do for you people. That's great. You realize also that most people pay the artists in advance of playing their songs on things like podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to make sure you know that. Oh, no, I know. And I, what's very funny is I'm now on the I'm now on the Ball is Life podcast network here. Hold on. I got to play my little, my drop from Ball is Life. I'm on the Ball is Life podcast network. So me, see me playing those clips, highly problematic. Yeah. 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 This could be the last one. You never know. I'm just, listen, I'm just saying I could promote, listen, you, you all know what I'm saying. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar appearing in the 1980 cult classic comedy film Airplane! Exclamation Point is without a doubt a seminal sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, today's guest wants to make that happen. He's a longtime friend of mine and of the show. He has the most first ballot appearances of any other guest. He's the official college basketball fan of the First Ballot Podcast. He's a tremendous Nate Dogg fan, and he's the senior vice president of late night programming West Coast at Viacom CBS. It's Mr. Longshot himself, Mr. Nick Bernstein. Oh, man. Pleasure to be back. Thank you once again for having me. Old long shot, Nick Burns. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who've listened to the show religiously, I love you. You're the only people I care about. For anyone who's picked up on First Ballot recently, Nick comes on, takes these long, crazy, wild stabs in the dark, tries to force moments into the First Ballot Hall of Fame with really checkered results. He got it a horse race in. He then failed at shoving a college basketball game into the hall, failed at getting a hockey game in. Now he's back again pitching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a 1980s movie. Any, I don't want you to go into your argument yet, but anything to say just in general about Kareem being an airplane, any sort of summary statement to start that, that sort of sets the table for what you're going to do here? Uh, yeah, my summary statement would be that this sets the tone for all athletes going forward in what their trajectory as uh, social profiles are and how they become bigger than the game. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Nick, before we dive into our moment, I did want to ask you about the WGA and Screen Actors Screen Actors Guild strike. Now, <laughs> Nick has left. You can't see this because this is an audio podcast. I refuse to shoot video. Nick has left the screen. Now, Nick, sit down. <laughs> you better hit that buzzer on me. <laughs> No, that's not what this is. I work at television. I'm in the Writers Guild. I have a number of friends who are in the Screen Actors Guild. You are on the evil network side. Now, here's the question. 
When are you going to get your bosses uh, back to the bargaining table to end this strike and pay us a fair, <laughs> pay us a fair wage? Your your thoughts. My thoughts are. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry, Nick. We don't have time for that. Thank you so much. Because for that. time for the earliest, more important we've ever done on the show. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. You're saying everything is more important than the writers. Listen, I'm just saying this podcast pause. segment. That's this is America's favorite podcast segment. It is what it is. If it's bigger than certain issues that are very important to a lot of people, I can't help it. That's how much people love this podcast segment. That's all I'm saying. Nick, this segment is called More Important. You know it well. It was it was devised for you. I'm about to ask you a series of questions, and your answers to them will all be way more important than any of the lies you were just about to make up about the strike. Your answers to these questions will define who you are as a man on the planet. Are you ready for More Important? I'm always ready. What is your favorite candy bar? I don't like candy bars. Come on, Nick. You already asked this, me that. No, is that true? Yes. No, that can't be true. If that's true, Rob, play it right now. No, it turns out this is not true. Hi, Rob, the editor here. This question was not asked in any of the 45 previous Nick Bernstein episodes, but also want to correct Neil. This is not the earliest recorded, more important segment ever. In fact, it was with Nick Bernstein on the college basketball episode. Neil buzzes him around 4 minutes and 16 seconds. You know... Here at the First Ballot Hall of Fame, we uphold only the highest standard. And as such, no one... Not even the proprietor of the First Ballot Hall of Fame at First Ballot Pod on Twitter at First Ballot HOF on Instagram is exempt from the stringent regulations of the First Ballot organization. We apologize for the error. Dark chocolate Kit Kats. <laughs> That's I don't. I actually like Kit Kats, so I'm okay with dark chocolate Kit Kats. Uh, they're not better than the original, but whatever. This isn't about me. Next question: Nate Dog or CeeLo Green? Oof. Nate Dog all the way for me. You wait now, but you think that's a good question, though, right? It's an interesting question. I think so. Who do you think is more important to the genre? Who has better music? What about that? You're still going to say Nate Dog? Yeah, I think it's also part of it is depending on like that very small window of time of when it hit and when you first heard yeah. it, and yeah, yeah, who yeah. he was associated with, and how that is right. like genre defining. It's it's yeah, it's hard to separate him from still the Nate. monsters that he came in with. Okay, that's fine. All right, next question. Nick, you're a contestant on Supermarket Sweep. You're in the big shopping spree at the end of the episode. What is the one item you're definitely going to go out and shop for first and get? You're going to throw it in your cart. It is not a show I'm not familiar with. Come on. I'm really sorry. What the fuck? You've never seen Supermarket Sweep? I have seen it, but not to the extent that I've ever spent any time thinking about the final portion of the show. The answer is the big giant like racks of ribs and shit that they had. That's what that's what you got to go throw in. I don't even worry about the bonuses like the big. Maybe if you run past an inflatable bonus, but I'm going straight for the like the big racks of ribs on those sides of beef. I'm getting all five. Maybe I'm going to the the coffee. I'm making the coffee. Something to think about. Next question. I presume Nick that you have a top five, top ten favorite movie list. Give me the movie off that list that would surprise my listeners to hear is on it. I feel like you've asked me this question before. Um, all right, letters from Iwo Jima. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, Jesus Christ. That's you asked me the surprising one. You're really bringing me down. Man. You asked me the surprising one. That is the surprising <laughs> one. Nick, you are the student of all late-night students and a late-night comedy devotee just like me. Name one completely underappreciated late-night bit. <laughs> I don't even know if you'll remember this. 
But one of my favorite Will Ferrell segments ever. He's playing uh, a person named TGI Friday. <laughs> Wait, is this an SNL thing? It's an SNL sketch. Oh. And he's a world-famous <laughs> railroad tycoon and owner of that fine establishment. <laughs> and his name is TGI Friday. TGI Friday. Thaddeus something Ignatius Friday. <laughs> And his son is a ho- his son is a waiter in the TGI Fridays. So funny. Do you know who the host was that week? Charlie Sheen. Wow, really, really good. Um, Nick, what is your favorite? This is going to come up later. What is your favorite performance by an athlete in a TV show or movie? It's heavy. The guitars are playing. Yeah, the timer's that is out. heavy. Um, my favorite personal performance. I mean, this is a really hard one to ask me because I have spent the last month or so thinking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Airplane. Right. And it really does <laughs> hold up. It's so funny to me. I think the uh, like the most surprising uh, really fun one for me was when uh, the Pacers at the time were on Parks and Rec. I think that's a severely underrated episode and like really smart uh, on everyone's part. The other thing that I would say, though, um, I really love it when athletes are guests on the shows, and you you worked on it with me. But when we were doing the Pete Holmes show pilot, yeah, we had uh, we had Kyrie uh, as a guest uh, the summer after he won Rookie of the Year, and he was so good. And he basically made the show for us. He got us. He was up. Like- he, he and you're not fucking around about that, right? He was, but people loved that. People loved it, and I'm not messing around. It was really, it showed what we could bring yes. when it came to people beyond comedians. And he was bright and full of energy and light, and he was lovely and he was funny. He did he a Ray Romano good. impression. He sang yes. Little Mermaid, and it was songs. a good Ray Romano. It was a good Ray Romano impression. Yeah, it was really special. <laughs> it was awesome. That's a really good one. Uh, uh, I, and, um, you must have uh, one, you must have one ready to go. Uh, that's, I appreciate you asking Nick. It's about high time. We made this about me. I, and I think it will be interesting to watch you try and use Kareem in airplane to say the thing I'm about to say does not happen without it. I think KG in uncut gems is so good. It, well, here's the thing. He's playing KG. Does okay. that hurt the answer? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it doesn't hurt it. It's still a great answer, but it's. <sighs> it's, 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 I guess, I guess the, the, the thing that I love, I guess you're right. I guess it's less, it's, it's not as, I guess it's not fully performance. It's the fact that for that movie to pick KG seems so seamless and perfect that I can't believe anyone else was ever considered for it. And I think it was like Kobe was up for it or something, Uh, but it being KG, can you not believe that KG might walk into a jewelry store and buy a thing and then a rock and be like, this is giving me the power to play tonight. Don't, isn't that completely believable? Yeah, I mean, he did a he did a great job. I mean, I guess people he did a great job. I'm sure people are yelling at us that, uh, you know, we wouldn't pick like an actual acting moment like Ray Allen and he got game. Uh, I well, I have another one. I was really I was thinking comedies, though. 
Well, what about Marcus Johnson and White Man Can't Jump? He's pretty funny in that. Can I be honest? When I watched White Man Can't Jump for the first time, I didn't know who Marcus Johnson was. So when I, I just thought that was a guy. I just thought that was a really funny comedy actor. I had no idea he was in the NBA. That's interesting. I uh, I I only knew him because I collected basketball cards. And right, so right, I like right. I had I had gotten he's a little older than the generation that I followed religiously, mm-hmm. but he uh, but I was gifted like cards from friends right. who were older. So I, I had many. You are older than me too. I just want to be clear. <laughs> yes. You I mean you are older than I me. think people would be shocked to learn that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um wait and Rob, go back to the music. Last question, uh, more important. Nick Bernstein, name something that really kicks ass. You're you're gonna be shocked by my answer. This podcast. Oh, come on. I love this podcast. Oh, come I think on. it's so much that's fun. So nice. I get excited every time a new one uh, drops. And, uh, oh, that's so kind of you. And, uh, yeah, I think I think that's really true. That's very kind of you. Let's move past that. Uh, you know what I think I re- I'm re- thinking about as, uh, as I'm finishing up more important here? You'd be great. I'm more important. I, my guess is you think you've been asked those questions because you've heard them before on the show. That's also possible. Yeah, I think it's I, really I'm, possible. It's possible I've just thought about the answers to these questions. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I think happened. I think you're playing along as you're listening and you're going, here's what I'd say. And that would be a funny answer and Neil would like it. I think that's what you're doing. That's possible. I won't <laughs> deny that. I won't deny that. Okay, let's dive into our moment. To decide whether Kareem and Airplane is good enough for the first ballot Hall of Fame, we have to go through – our first ballot Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential, as always, analytics. Here are the numbers behind this moment. Airplane airplane exclamation point. Do you know there's an exclamation point? I do know that, yes. Airplane exclamation point uh, was released. Uh, You don't have to say it every time, but continue. Airplane exclamation point was released in 1980. Uh, Airplane exclamation point opened on June 27, 1980. I'm just going to read this. This is straight out of the Wikipedia. I don't like doing this, and I don't do this often, but listen, I had to pick up some time here as I was prepping for this episode. As I was prepping for this episode. Uh, released June Why did you make quotes when you said prepping? Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> in seven theaters in Toronto, grossing $83,000 opening weekend. Opened in two theaters in Buffalo, grossing $14,000 first week. Film then expanded on Wednesday the 2nd to 705 theaters in the United States and Canada, grossing $6 million its first five days of wide release, finishing second overall for the weekend with a gross of $4.5 million, million. Do you know what the number one movie that week was? In June of 1980? Yeah. No, I do know how much money the movie ended up making, but please keep going because this is fascinating, I'm sure, to all the listeners. Reading out of the Wikipedia page. <laughs> It finished second in the week uh, to the number one movie that week was, I'm going to be honest, I've done some poking around the internet here. I can't find it. (laughs) I can't find it, but there is a very interesting answer, and I'll put someone more capable on this. We'll look for it. We'll post it in the social thread. It'll be a great answer. It'll be funny. It'll be a funny thing to be like, it got beat by fucking Kramer versus Kramer. That'll be funny to hear, right? I, I guess, I mean, you're the expert. You know your audience. <laughs> Overall, Airplane Exclamation Point earned gross $83 million at the U.S. Canadian box office, 
returned $40 million in rentals. That's a lot of fun to think about. Making it the fourth highest grossing film of 1980. Worldwide, the film earned $130 million in its initial release. And by 2002, it had made $171 million. I presume it's made a bunch of money since then. But again, I'm only going on what Wikipedia had. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scenes account for approximately 3 minutes and 15 seconds of an hour and 28-minute movie. I did the math. That's roughly 3.69% of the movie. Kareem is, of course, also the NBA's second-leading scorer of all time. Perhaps maybe the best player who's ever played in the league, something to consider. Airplane won the 1981 Writers Guild Award for Best Comedy. It was nominated for Best Comedy or Musical in the 1981 Golden Globes. It was also nominated into the Online Film and Television Association Hall of Fame in 2021. But I want to be clear, here at the First Ballot Organization, we do not recognize any other Hall of Fames. Uh, I want to strike that from the record. I want to make that clear. Airplane did get a sequel called Airplane Two airplane exclamation point got a sequel called airplane two i have no idea what that movie is about or like i've never seen it uh it was not made by the same people who made the first one so is that oh there you go yeah well probably a precipitous follow uh last stat this is and this is fun to think about have you heard the rug thing yes i had never heard this before okay uh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was paid $35,000 to be in this movie. Why $35,000? Well, here's what Jerry Zucker, the producer of the film, had to say. Quote, when we offered the role of Murdoch to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I think we offered him $30,000. And then the agent asked for $35,000 because that's how much this rug cost that Kareem wanted to buy. It was an oriental rug, an art piece not to walk on. So our initial reaction was... That's got to be the best line we've ever heard from an Asian. It was like, boy, this guy's really creative. But then a couple weeks later, there's an article in Time with a picture of Cream standing in front of an Oriental rug that he bought for thirty five thousand after we paid him. What a great story! I love that too. I honestly think that's hilarious. So good. And I was like, that is this like true? So I googled Cream rug, and sure as shit, yeah. HomeAccentsToday.com. NBA legend Cream Abdul Jabbar talks about rugs. Yep. NBA legend's love of rugs leads to unique sale at FurnitureToday.com. <laughs> he's he's apparently sold his amazing rug collection. Crane Chicago Business reported that. Fantastic. A, a neat little stat there. Uh, and then the role was. Do you know who the role this role for of Murdoch? Do you know who it was originally written for? I do know. You're man, you're really ready. Pete Rose. Ready. Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Charlie Hustle. Uh so think about this. In an alternate universe, not only is Pete Rose playing Roger Murdoch. Right. David Letterman is the pilot. Uh the Robert so Hayes good. character. Right. Which is wild to think about. Would have been amazing. Maybe. I don't know. They there is a clip online of uh Letterman's um audition uh yeah like a, a just a clip from it there's amazing because the uh so those three the zucker the zuckers and abrams were guests on an old episode of late night with david letterman amazing. and i'm it is an 18 minute clip they were on <laughs> for like four acts that's how wow. different television was in 1981 <laughs> or 82 whenever it was um and they that run a clip amazing. of that uh of that reel um, pretty cool i have to check that out we'll put it in the uh, social links at first ballot pod on twitter at first ballot hf on instagram i realize those should be the same yeah why aren't they the same i well, I, I i listen i don't want to get into All it right. it's really this is not where that is not worth the time so here's the thing here's the thing that's really cool about this this moment to me yeah please let's set it up like you have you have people who are now revered because not only did they make airplane 
this trio made the Naked Gun. They are considered, you know, forefathers of some of the like modern slapstick comedies that uh, that are so revered. Um, but when they were pitching this movie, they were the guys from Kentucky Fried Theater who'd made one movie, <laughs> Kentucky Fried Movie, which I guess did okay enough for them to get enough money to make this this other movie. But it's not like uh, it's not like they're Judd Apatow coming over or Adam Sandler coming over and being like, "Hey, be in this movie. We're gonna we're gonna do this movie. We really want you to be in it." So they're coming to uh, a guy in Kareem because they because Pete Rose said no, and they're shooting this movie in like this the summer of right. I guess seventy nine or something like that. Right, right, right. And I think it's coming like right off the heels of the uh and maybe it was even it's like right off the heels of the uh playoffs and and right, so yeah, they must have just wrapped. Uh so you're talking about like this guy who uh who's the probably the most famous basketball player in America at that point. Yep. So like, I don't know how you take that leap of faith to be like, Hey, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, will you be in our comedy film? Cause they're talking to somebody who is not necessarily seen as funny or, uh, warm. He is acerbic in a lot of circles he's aloof i think is probably is words that he would even use to describe himself at a certain point um he has to decide pretty quickly also because this movie's shooting weeks after the playoffs are over um to to do this and he has the foresight and awareness uh to to recognize that this is a moment that could change the perception of who he is as a person right? in a way that you could never do in an interview or some type of sports illustrated feature or however you tried to get across who you were as a person, but you're still taking this leap of faith that this film might be able to change a trajectory of how you're perceived. That's pretty fascinating to me. It is. And it's a lot to lot to think about. I wanted to say, as you were talking, I went and quickly Googled this because I didn't didn't remember. Uh, Kareem won six NBA MVPs. 71, 72, 74, 76, 77, and 1980. You could maybe make the argument that this was like right around the peak of his career. Sure. He is... This is, you know, basically just before Magic comes lands on the scene, right? I I feel like so they won in 1980, didn't they? Uh, yes, but they lost in 1979. Right, but but so what I'm saying, like they lost, and then the next year Magic comes on the team and they win. Correct. Right. Correct. And, but, but Airplane had already come out in '80. Well, Airplane comes out as you just told me, summer of 1980. Well, yes, that's my point. But they didn't. He didn't shoot the thing as he's in the playoffs in 1980. My point is, is this had to have been uh, uh, before 
this had to he had to have shot this before magic landed on yes. the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right before magic. Yes. He shot he would have shot it before then. They would have been drafting him. Magic would have been drafted in that uh in that summer, probably right. when he was shooting that movie. Right. So in my head, I think you could maybe make the argument that at the time the prevailing theory could very well have been that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might be the greatest player of all time, right? He's had this impossibly successful high school and college career. He's come to the NBA, won a title, won six MVP awards, which is the most any, I mean, if you look at like Wilt, I mean, who's the, who's the option? It's like Wilt and, and Russell. Uh, and Russell. I, I, I just think there's a chance that lots of people are going, hey, this guy could be the best player that's ever played in the NBA. Oh, there's, I, I'm that sure time. that, yes. Like in the same way that people still now are doing the like LeBron or, or MJ right. or, and right. having that debate, that had to be a debate happening in 1979, 1980. Sure. Kareem or Russell or Wilt, and you're I mean, measuring... MVPs and championships and all of that. Doesn't that mean then that if the movie doesn't work, it doesn't really matter? Like, aren't the stakes low? Because if the movie, like if let's say the you go, you know, it's a lot of faith to put in a movie and the director, and I agree with all that. But if let's say the movie goes absolutely belly up, lead balloon, nobody cares about it. But does anybody give a shit? Like, does he really get blamed for it? Does it hurt his career? Well, I don't. Uh, I would turn it around on you a little bit and ask a different question. Okay. Okay. If that movie is a middling success or nobody goes mm-hmm. to see it, mm-hmm. it does not affect his career at all. So right. it is, uh, it is a small step to take in order to change sort of his perception. And it's still possible that even in a sort of my, if it was a minor film, mm. that his role in it. And, and the cult following that it could have still taken on because we are in the time where VCRs and VHS and uh, all that is starting to take off. That right. even in a cult success, that becomes a very important part of, uh, of his life going forward. But the idea that um, he's willing to take on this role that not is that's not just... Uh, him playing a performance where before this, the only thing that I can recall Kareem doing is like a Bruce Lee movie. Right. Right. Where he is a serious actor doing actual karate. And those two were close as far as I could tell from reading about it. Um, And so this is a lane that uh, in today's world, it's either very calculated or people tell you to stay away from it because you don't want that type of social media, uh, the anti-social media that you might get for trying something different or new or or out there. Right. I don't remember a time when you think about this movie and what he does, he's playing a character, but the most Mm -hmm. famous scene in it is the little boy who is Mm -hmm. talking about how his dad doesn't think he plays defense and he only tries during the playoffs. And he's got very funny lines off of that where he is willing to poke fun at himself. And I would argue that that is something that never happened with anyone that famous in sports, where he was able to Ooh, poke fun at himself good. right? in that way. Now it is a regular occurrence, but Oof. I think he that's set that good. precedent. And the Oof. only people I can think of 
who've done something similar in in the history of uh, television or film before that is someone like John Kennedy, President Kennedy, who goes on Jack Parr and Jack Parr says, I have a question to ask you. And he says something like whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat, which is like, right. oh, my God, you're right. a presidential right. candidate and you are yes. willing to making that joke. Yeah, that is like the, the really interesting. Yeah, it's something I didn't think about until it happened. And I was like, my God, he he was willing to he knew that this was going to change people's perceptions of him that, oh, he does have a sense of humor. He knows what the perception of him is. Uh, he's willing to poke fun at it. And then he's willing to go so far that like in this pretty clever uh, comedy strain, the very last scene that you see him as Roger Murdoch in, he's fallen ill because of the food yes. on the plane. Yes. Uh, where people are dying left and right on this plane. This is a comedy, by the way. And they lift him out of the cockpit oh, and he's so wearing, so he's wearing Lakers gear on the so bottom good. half. So good. And it's the best to me. It's the best part of that, of, of his performance in the movie. It's unbelievable. So when you talk about like so a good. scene stealing performance where yeah. number of minutes in a movie doesn't really matter. Right. It is the thing that you're left thinking about when you're leaving the movie and de decades mm. later. We've got so much to talk about here. Okay. Hold on. I don't even know where to start. Hold on. I'm going to write down the, the phrase scene stealing. I'm coming back to that. Okay. Uh, let's, let's listen to the, let's listen to the scene. This is, you, you're, you're jumping all over in terms of my credentials here. I've got shit laid out, Nick. Help me out here a little bit as a producer. Uh, <laughs> the next credential, let's listen to this. It's the ear test. What did we hear in this moment? Let's listen to the famous scene that Nick's already referenced. Let's listen to it together. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. <laughs> and he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. <laughs> And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. <laughs> Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Busting. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. But I want to say... I want to say uh, the busting my buns really uh, heightens my enjoyment of that. To get the th thinking about asking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, will you say the word busting my buns? That's very funny. And then, of course, dragging Walton and Lanier up the court. is That's uh, fantastic really as well. Funny. Do you think the sort of the wooden performance of the rest of it, do you think that hurts the performance in this moment at all? It's a little wooden. He's, he's, uh, he's looking at cue cards. You can see it. He's like looking at cue cards. He wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. I'm just, I'm just as I have to be tough. I have to be tough. I, this is my hall of fame. I have to be tough. I'm just asking if the fact that you're seeing his eyes dart all over the screen and he's clearly looking off a cue card and his performance is a little wooden. I think it helps. I think you can make the argument that it helps that it's in ch uh, charming and endearing that he's like a little, like 
like marching through the words a little bit. I'm just asking a tough question, Nick. I I, uh, I would say that's not the part of the performance that I'm left with is thinking that he is, you know, a little wooden. That is not oh, yeah. uh, that okay. is not part of the <laughs> the vernacular that I would okay. take on. I would right. think that um, that's the same as if you were uh, if you were. No, sorry. I'm not, I'm not going to continue. <laughs> okay, no. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Uh, the next credential eye test, what did we see in this moment? That that reveal of the shorts. And again, if you haven't seen it, it'll be on our uh, on our Instagram uh, and, and Twitter uh, and threads or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, th- they pull him out. He's wearing the Laker gear. He's got like the knee pads on. Very funny. It's like the, the the detail that they go, well, we know Kareem wears like a bunch of gear and he's old, so he's got the knee pads, which again, knee pads like a very throwback 80s like NBA thing. He's got striped socks on. It's like full on Lakers gear. I'm not certain. I never wore one when I was playing, but I believe if you look at the clip, Kareem, I think, and not to be indelicate, I think he's wearing a jock. <laughs> Have you seen, he's got like the white, like his shorts ride up because he's like playing sick or he's like knocked out and they're dragging his body out and they reveal that Kareem has been the entire time wearing Lakers shorts and like sneakers and knee pads, which is very funny to think about a guy sitting there the entire flight in that outfit. Very funny. I As they out- I'll tell you, hang on. Something that's even funnier than that to me is that he, he they do show him in a clip coming onto the plane where he is in full pilot right. gear. So think about it this way. At some point during the flight, she <laughs> changed into. <laughs> that is even funnier that he was like, hold on, let me get into like something more comfortable. Uh-huh. That's very funny to think about. That's a lot of fun. That's a great ad. Uh, uh, yeah. So they pull him out. His shorts are riding up. I think he's wearing a chalk. And again, you don't see like it's that you're not seeing his um, groin or anything. Get your minds out of the gutter. You see like the strap that like goes around his leg. I think he's wearing a jock, which is if, if that's true. Very, very, very funny. I think it is. And if I ever interviewed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, well, let's hope one day. I'm going to ask him, did you wear a jock? Which I listen, I don't feel bad asking him that, but I got I gotta know. Cause I think he's wearing a jock. We're gonna do like a, a video evidence breakdown on our socials. I think he's wearing a jock. I think it's very funny that if he was wearing a jock, that the costume design of the director was like, put out the shorts, knee pads. Well, you know what? Throw a jock on there. Let's just see if he puts it on. Like it's very funny. And then what if the director was like, what if as they're pulling him out, the shorts right up and you can see the jock, that would be funny. So let's throw the jock in and see if he'll put it on. I think it happened. It's, it's certainly possible. I didn't look that closely. I can't wait to go to your Instagram <laughs> feed to find out if that's true or not. But the dedication <laughs> to the craft is yes. something that you gotta, you gotta really applaud the commitment that yeah, I do. a guy again, you think about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and his right. relationship to comedy fr- right. up to that point has right. got to be minimal. So you are trusting in this group yes. of people who you're probably only connection with is they are from Wisconsin. Right. Yes. Right. And he played for Milwaukee <laughs> played for a number of years. For a spell. That's exactly right. Uh, okay. So let me, let me, you, you set this up perfectly. Let me speak to this acerbic tone from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. True, 
Aloof has been used. Aloof was used by Jamal Wilkes in an interview I just watched before this. Acerbic has certainly been used. Lots of people. I might argue that a lot of the people that like to weave the story of how acerbic and aloof Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was during his playing days, those were largely white men who dominated the media space at the time. I want to just for a moment reject the premise that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was acerbic because of this clip. Rob, play it here. A tribe in Africa that supposedly grows to your normal height. I mean, their normal height is your height. Will you be going there? No, I won't. Thank you for playing that, Rob. The the, the media landscape at the time, dominated, that was just a reporter asking Kareem if he's going to go to Africa to visit these Africans who are tall in this tribe. And so, like, the idea that Kareem's acerbic, the idea that he needed to address this through a comedy movie, I want to dismiss that to a certain extent because the media was for certain racist. I just want to lay that groundwork for a second. The idea that Kareem raised his stock, opened himself to a new audience through this movie, I think needs you need to half that immediately because the, the, the entire premise that he was acerbic was laid by the largely white media. Can I, can I respond to that now? Please, please. Okay. I think that you are certainly correct in saying that the media showed Thank you. racist. We'll move on. Tones. No, 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 not yet. Okay. Oh, sorry. So, um, you want to know where I took this uh, premise that Kareem had a certain uh, he he had a uh, the acerbic personality and and uh, had a uh, was seen as uh, someone who didn't have a great relationship with the public at that point. Who, where? I got it from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in an interview that he did on the Today Show (laughs) with the rest of the cast from Airplane 25 years (laughs) after the movie came out. Listen, if he he's maybe he's just going with it because he's like trying to like work with this thing. I uh, you all right, that's a good point. He very specifically stated that he had a reputation (laughs) uh, that he knew uh, could change if he yeah. was able to showcase the right. side of him because mm. no one would have said he wasn't thoughtful or uh i mean he's like a he's a very high-minded intellectual person right. uh he's certainly you can see that from his career after uh he played and what he's done since then but um but he was savvy enough at a time where this was not the case for athletes right so when you talk about I mean, even your description of Kevin Garnett Mm -hmm. uh, in Uncut Gems, which is now what? That's 30 years after. That's still like leaning in on the type of person and personality you expect to find from Kevin Mm -hmm. Garnett. That is wildly different from someone like Kareem at the time, who uh, also, when you think about this one other thing, this is a little bit of an aside. Um, this movie comes out in the summer of 1980, which is right after Magic has taken over the team, right? I mean, he is the darling. He's That's won the MVP. MVP. He stepped in for Kareem in that finals. Right? I believe the greatest single game performance of any NBA player ever. And then, you know, I'm sure that Ego has to 
play into like, all right, whose team is this now? Well, whose league is this now? And that would go on for years and years. But in the summer right. of 1980, the person who's in the biggest comedy yeah, that's is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. How about that? How about that from a media standpoint? And if you've watched Winning Time, you go, you've seen that, you know, maybe Kareem deserved the MVP. Magic ends up snaking it from him with that incredible Game 6 performance. And to for Kareem to have a role... A again, a you know, story narrative flipping role in the biggest comedy movie of that summer. What of an answer to what Magic Johnson pulled off in the NBA? I, I just think, I mean, I, I can't think of something comparable. It's so hard for me to think because I think, like, all right, well, who were the major athletes of the uh, of the eras, like 60s, 70s? Uh, Really, that's it. The 60s and 70s, because that is when the modern era of TV takes over and you start to get to know these uh, athletes in a different way, right? Yes. Well, and that leads perfectly into the next credential test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments like it. You already brought it up. Game of Death with Bruce Lee. That to me... And I, I, I got to be honest, because I'm much younger than you, I didn't really remember which one of those things came first. But when I looked... Not only did the game of death with Bruce Lee come first for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he appeared in seven productions before Airplane. Mannix, a TV show, never heard of it. Then again, I'd argue most famously the game of death with Bruce Lee. To me, that is the most iconic role for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, in my opinion. Emergency, okay. Man from Atlantis, Laugh-In, something called The Visitor, and The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. He was in seven things before Airplane. If you're saying this guy chose this thing to turn this on his head and he's never, he was in seven other things, including laughing and game of death with Bruce Lee is how can airplane be as important if he did seven other things before it? Most of the things that you mentioned, uh, like a Mannix, uh, they were just like police procedurals. Uh, laughing's a little bit different. Um, because, you know, you could pop on and, and do more like what a Saturday night live cameo would be. Um, but the, like, again, weirdly the, the moments in laughing that became the prevalent things were either the characters that they created themselves or Sammy Davis jr. Coming onto that show Mm, or like mm. John Wayne, it was the older, uh, actors that were bestowing themselves and like granting oh these hippies know what they're doing i realize this is what the kids are watching i have to go on the show right right so that isn't sort of a kareem doing something on there i'm I'm sure made an impact to a certain extent but none of those things that you mentioned were the number one movie number one comedy of all time okay the wait a minute hold on the number one comedy of all time well i guess yeah no blazing saddles probably is the number one comedy at that point um like grossing. Got it. And uh, by the by, Blazing Saddles, which features uh, Alex Karras, Hall of Fame football player who uh, comes on and be, was what, Mongo and punches that horse? Was it Alex Karras? Yeah. Um, Alex Karras of Webster fame, uh, former football. I think he's in the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Famer. Alex Karras turns around. I mean, yeah. listen, and the reason I bring that up is to say there was in Blazing Saddles, there was a oh you know what when did Blazing Saddles even come out? That was in the seventies. It was before. Th- there we go. So B- Blazing Saddles comes out. Uh, 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 Jim Brown comes out in in Dirty Dozen, nineteen sixty seven. Uh, Jim Brown in the Dirty Dozen is not playing a comedy. 
I, I, I agree. But I think but, that is the that's the difference. Alex Karras is doing a comedy thing, but yes. you can't tell me what Alex Karras's personality was or how he was seen by true. the public coming true. in or out of that. True. I, I but, only know him. I only know him as the father Webster's from Webster. That's right. Uh, no, I agree. For I Jim agree. Brown too, he was uh he he was an action hero, which with which you would expect for someone coming from football. The roles to play are right. yes. strong action men. Right. Not, not someone who is willing to on yep. camera right. make fun of who they right. are yes. and are right. how they're perceived. That's and the potentially difference wear a jock strap. No, I agree. I, I hear what you're saying, but I want to make the argument that Jim Brown was a strong black man playing a sport where he had to wear a helmet. Most people probably didn't never saw him without the helmet, didn't know what he looked like. So he, at bare minimum, had the uh, quote unquote reputation of being this probably thought of as a big dumb football player who in the middle of the country was probably seen as this angry black guy so to go do a role in dirty dozen in a hundred rifles he is at least trying to you know turn the narrative a little bit i my only argument is to say i agree with you he's not doing a comedy it's a little it's a little uh, more on character for him to be in a, an action movie to be a shoot him up action hero star but he is using a motion picture to change his narrative well that that, ha that had been happening i i wouldn't have i wouldn't say that he was an unknown person to most of the country because he wore a helmet because as i just heard a couple of uh weeks ago uh he was part of something called the cleveland summit where he was <laughs> Way out there, <laughs> along with somebody named Lou Alcindor at the time, who changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so the amount of uh, uh, the amount that people knew about him and, and how thoughtful they were and who they yes. were as people and how much they were trying to change the uh, American culture uh, in many different ways. Um, and he was also able to uh, show a different side of his persona by playing a role playing a role that wasn't had nothing to do with who he was as a as a person or making poking fun at himself right i i i i'm not saying jim brown wasn't wasn't unknown you're absolutely right cleveland summit great episode michael harriet far better than you <laughs> <laughs> I no. wasn't comparing the two. <laughs> oh, whoops! I, I I guess I accidentally did that myself. No, uh, uh, I'm he, I'm just saying he was known as a football player, or probably known by a lot of racists as an angry black guy. So he was. I, my only point is to say, if Kareem was the first a athlete to act in a movie, and I don't know who that was, that'd be fascinating to know. The, if he was the first guy to do it, it would be weightier. Where's by the by? Sorry, sorry. Wait, I, yeah, your please. premise, your premise isn't my premise. My premise isn't that Kareem is the first person to act in a movie who's an athlete. My yeah. premise is that Kareem is the first modern athlete to be in something that was a pop culture landmark that yes. also was able to incorporate who he was as a person right and right. and got it showcase 
that he understands yes. who he is yeah, and is yeah, able yeah, to yeah, ride yeah. that and make fun right. of himself for it. Yes. And so you, everybody that yeah. you like going forward from there, mm-hmm. all of the people who ended up hosting Saturday Night Live, who've mm-hmm. done iconic roles, mm-hmm. anybody who shows up on The Simpsons, Oof. anybody right. who uh, is in any of those, you name it, right. that, that started there. And it started, Oof. it wasn't that someone else was making fun of them and they took the joke. He made fun of himself. And so he changes the narrative. Right. And that is very forward thinking. Oh, I love this. All right. That's a very well-made point. I I really appreciate that. I'm not even going to add to it because you, you made a really well-made point. But like you, you're kind of saying like when Michael Jordan is on the fucking whatever the, the SNL sketch where they're like, you're good enough, you're better, you know, you're good enough. You're looking in the mirror, uh, the the Al Franken guy, uh, that sort of hang, that that uh, is funnier because you know who Michael Jordan is. And that sort of premise of, of being a little meta and understanding who this athlete is and playing into it and using it as part of the joke starts with cream on airplane exclamation point. Yes. And that's like, you know, you can take that all like Peyton Manning's entire post football career right. relies yes. on oh, his ability to make good. fun of himself. Right. Yes. And he's great at it. And he's leaned into it entirely. Really good. Really good. Uh, okay. We're going to play a little game here. I'm going to name five potential entertainment productions that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might have starred in. I want you to tell me which one of these five Kareem did not appear in. Do you understand what the, the game here? Four of them he's been in and one of them he has not been in. I want you to tell me which of these five Kareem has not been in. Different Strokes. You, of course, remember Different Strokes. What you're talking about, Willis, right? Different Strokes. I remember Mr. It. Drummond. Yes. 21 Jump Street. Okay. Uncle Buck. A little project called Slam Dunk Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> Which must have been the, you know, the Ernest guy, right? Yeah. What's, what, how did, what did Ernest say? Jim Vern. Jim, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and the last one, the fifth one, is the music video for the song Good Goodbye from Rack Rock Band, Linkin Park, formerly led by the Gone Too Soon singer Chester Bennington. Which one of those five was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar not in? Different Strokes, 21 Jump Street, Uncle Buck, Slam Dunk Ernest, and the music video for the song Good Goodbye from Rack from the Rack Rock Band, Linkin Park, formerly led by the Gone Too Soon singer Chester Bennington. Uh, it's a great question. <laughs> I just know that that's not true from the way you said it. <laughs> I don't remember him being an Uncle Buck. Ah, uh, yes, I the perfect. What a perfectly laid trap by Neil, the host of First Ballot Podcast. Th- that is wrong. He was in all of those because he's in Uncle Buck, the TV show. Oh, what a perfectly laid trap. <laughs> that, bit, that bit went perfectly. Exactly what I wanted. I wanted you to go Uncle Buck, the movie. I love Uncle Buck, the movie. He's not in Uncle Buck, the movie. You're absolutely right. He's in Uncle Buck, the TV show. But perfectly laid trap by yours truly, Mr. Neil. I'm not always right, but I'm never ever wrong. Fantastic. Think- that went great. People are stopping this podcast now and just standing up to <laughs> applaud this unbelievable game you've just played. Oh, that went great. Uh, Nick, it's uh, – uh, uh, the. <laughs> I need you quickly. We're gonna, the dream team or the next segment. It's called the dream team. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone knows the Dream Team. 1992, the greatest collection of basketball players ever. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, so forth and so on. Uh, we, we need you to assemble your own Dream Team here, Nick. But there's a special prompt. I need you to pick your starting five of the best movie character basketball players ever. Do you understand? I need you to put together your dream team, Nick Bernstein, of movie character basketball players. Starting five, go ahead. Uh, ben Stiller and Along Came Polly. <laughs> That's a fun one. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I'll take... Uh, I'll take Gene Hackman as the coach. Can I do there that? There we go. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, I uh, I like uh, I I like Anthony Anderson and Hang Time. <laughs> a good comic foil and a little muscle down there. A little muscle. Uh, he's got some weight to throw around down low. He can post up if you need to ice him down there. I like that. Uh, I'll take the kid who's the. Um, who's playing uh, the fictional version of Kevin Durant and Swagger on Apple TV. Cause okay. he looks like he can really play. <laughs> okay. I know you like Swagger. And then uh, I'll take the guy who plays Dr. J in winning time, because I find that hilarious. Cause he's gotta <laughs> be my age. Pulling that off. And he looks so like Gregory Hines. I, I think we'll have a fun team. I don't know if we'll win a lot of games. <laughs> I swear to God, that guy looks exactly like Gregory Hines. I have he no does. idea where they found that dude. It is wild that he got the role as Dr. J. <laughs> it's really funny. Really that funny. is a great dream team, Nick. You did fantastic job there. Thanks. Really, really well done. Uh Nick, the next the next credential, it's the cosine. It's the floor is yours. You've made a hell of a case. You've made a hell of an argument. I don't want you to have to go back through everything, but this is your, your opportunity to give any sort of closing statement. Should Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in airplane, should that moment be in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? I think absolutely it deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that there are a whole lot of people out there who, when they think of Kareem, this is now the first thing they think of is him in this film. Mm. Uh, he has been uh, using this as the catalyst to a career in uh working in television mm -hmm. and film since that point mm -hmm. he uh has done ads where he's played roger murdoch for travel wisconsin of all places with that's robert right. hayes that's right that's uh they even in that first scene in winning time they use the clip from him in airplane to try to showcase that he's not a, a good person which I don't think it's true. That's the dramatization portion of it. And and uh, everyone said the same uh, who worked on the film. Uh, someone had to be the first person to be that famous for one thing and Ooh. showcase uh, that they could be something else. And so I think it is a testament to being able to show multiple sides of you as a mm. human being, whether you're mm. a basketball player or uh, a podcaster. That you're not just one thing. You can do more than one thing. And to have the uh, wherewithal to showcase that um, really just, I think, uh, changed how everybody going forward for the next now five decades plus has been able to do something similar. So you're really tipping the hat. And it's very deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. I really, I, you've done a fantastic job. 
You've done a really nice job with this episode. You've done a really nice job. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I and Neil get to decide where this thing goes in. Listen, I, I, you know, I really appreciate Nick. I appreciate Nick for a million reasons. He's done a tremendous amount for me and my family and uh, my career. He's done a tremendous amount for me on the show. He counsels me on it. Uh, he's been on this podcast. He's given me a lot of time. And then he comes on and he's this thoughtful. He picks a moment. He's this articulate. He's this thoughtful about conveying why this moment is important. I appreciate it. I want to immediately fight back against you saying that this could be the thing, airplane, that people think about when they think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Get the fuck out of here. That's absolutely insane. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could very well be the best basketball player of all time. The skyhook is without question the most lethal, best offensive move that's ever existed in the NBA, and he's basically the only guy that's ever done it. In a family feud, sorry, in a family feud, top five answers <laughs> on the board. Airplane's one of the five answers for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and it's way below basketball player, Lakers, bald, goggles, skyhook. I get the hell out of here. I listen. I'm. I haven't weighed in yet. I'm just saying that statement was asinine, and we're gonna strike it from the record. <laughs> you have made a perfect case. You have. Deepened, deepened my appreciation of Kareem, of what he did, of the move, the savvy business move he made in changing his narrative using this movie. You've deepened my appreciation of this movie, of the people who made it. I think he's wearing a jockstrap. It means a lot. You have made me realize that a performance from a guy like Marshawn Lynch in the movie Bottoms, my my son, Marshawn, These things happen because Kareem uh, paved the way for them. I appreciate all of those things. But the work that Kareem did before this, both with Bruce Lee, Lappin, I just think it's not as powerful of a single moment because he had already started doing this work and other athletes had already been acting in movies. He wasn't the originator of this thing, of using a motion picture to change who he is, to get in front of different people. He did a tremendous job and I appreciate it. I appreciate that you chose this moment to bring this on the show. You've done a great job, but I'm so sorry. This is not going in to the first ballot hall of fame oh my god first ballot Woo. all everything everything that you said and what you put into uh what makes it or not is fair and fine but you cannot you cannot compare kareem in this movie to other people in movies it's like saying that you're comparable to I don't know, Mark Maron or something. You guys have oh podcast hosts, but you're nowhere near the same. <laughs> you're nowhere close. <laughs> what about Alex Karras? I believe that was Alex Karras's first role as Mongo in Blazing Saddles, punches a horse, football player, and that gives birth to his career as Webster, uh, the dad dad from Webster, who, again, as I'm watching Webster, I'm like, that, I, have no, I have no idea who that, that dad is, but he's a very good comedic actor, and then That's I learned he's point. a football player. That's the it's- point. That's the point that you are, you are willfully ignoring, is you did not know who Alex Karras was at all before. You had no 
<sighs> discerning knowledge of who he was. You but people him. did. No, they You're did right. not. You yes, did they not. did. People knew that he, Alex Karras was a football player. He was a very good football player. Okay, what was his personality like? I, I don't know. I'm but sorry. Wait, what did you say? I couldn't <laughs> hear that. Could you slow that down and say it? Well, but uh, okay. I don't know anything about his personality, but I, my, I, my, dollars to donuts, I bet my house that most people thought he was just a dumb jock. That's the point. And did this change anyone's mind? I think so. Because I think they went, the this guy was. <laughs> that makes no sense. But Three they at least. The bar was one thing. He was one thing to people. He was cold to them he was a yes. distant person he was yep. thoughtful he he took on something that seems uh so well i didn't even talk about it because i'm not the person to but he changed his name and became muslim right. and that right. was so divisive at the time yes and through so. all of that he's like guess what i'm also funny yeah i'm oh. also funny and i know who yeah, i am listen. and i know to do that that's different than everything that you're saying about other people. You can't compare those things. You are making a great point. I'm not taking away the point that you're making. You're making a great point. But You've your done point a fantastic doesn't negate job. my point. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying as I look at this moment, while it is great and, impo and important and meaningful and you've done a great job presenting it and it's been a great episode. I don't believe it's got enough heft. Buddy, I don't believe it's got enough weight. You've named seven or eight different things that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did, but you can't mention, you can't name one thing he did in those things. So whether he had, he was whatever he did in Laugh-In, we don't know. It doesn't no. subsist throughout. Whatever he did in Manix, whatever he no. did in Game Uncle Buck, the show. Bruce <laughs> that doesn't matter. That's the, not. That's the not fight going. scene with the fight scene with Bruce Lee is iconic. That's that, that is not up for that, debate. Does that change anyone's opinion of who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is as a person or what type of personality he has? It doesn't think change it, anything. I think it may have lightened some people up. That's I think saying, people. Oh, may, that is. Oh, that. Well, where you're just throwing that out there. How no, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm you have not. no idea. I'm not. I think yeah. you're right. I think the prevailing theory at the time was likely here's this black Muslim who changes his name to this name I don't know how to say. Like, like I'm doing the racist. I'm talking as a racist here. That that's what they're saying. Can you click and then that, maybe Rob, put that on Instagram, please. <laughs> and then I think maybe they see that movie. And for the record, there is some inherent comedy in that scene because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is garbage. humongous. No, it's I'm being serious. That fight scene is not just pure fight scene. It's not just pure action. It's funny. His long his arms and legs are super duper long and the way it's framed and the way it's shot, there is some comedy there. It's not just pure fight scene. It's like there's a little action comedy to it. I believe that. But he is not making fun of himself and who he's he is. Not. He's not. I agree with you. I agree with you. Changes things. I agree well, with you. I would argue that make the argument that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being in a Bruce Lee movie allowed Will Chamberlain to be in Conan the Destroyer. Sure, go for it. That is not what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on airplane right. did for right. an entire multiple generations of right. meetings, including yeah. the only person who really funds your career outside of podcasts <laughs> and what he's able to do. That is tip of the hat to 
this you're right. three minutes and 15 seconds or however long it was. Uh, you're right. On this movie. That's why I can't you're... believe you could just dismiss it because I'm not... people have been in movies. I am not it dismissing it. make any sense. <laughs> I'm not dismissing it. You have done <clears throat> an amazing job of making me realize how important this moment is in sports, sports comedy, and in comedy in general. I, I completely agree with you. You've done a masterful job. I'm just saying it does not go into the first Bell Hall of Fame. Can you at least play Nate Dogg one more time before we leave? <laughs> Let's go! All the hood rats still shake it for me. Nick Bernstein! All my still check it for me. You're going to get me sued. Nick Bernstein. <laughs> well, how, what, do you, what can you plug? What are you working on? How can people follow you? Uh, I'm just working on trying to end this strike. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Nick Bernstein, everybody follow Nick. He's the best. I really appreciate him. Thank you, Nick, so much for being on again. Pleasure. That's it. That's the show. My deep appreciative thanks to Mr. Nick Bernstein, as always, for everything, not just appearing on the show. You are always so much fun to talk to, and I really appreciate you letting me record it and release it as work. Shout out today goes to Mr. Rafe Bartholomew. He was on the show previously. It's a great episode, but he he's really supported the show since, and me personally, I really appreciate it. I can't wait for the chance to sit down and chop it up with you. Thanks, Rafe. Credits, Rob Bob edits the show. Jessica Sank produces it. Rhythm J makes the music. David Stramskis joined us at Ball's Life. And now EJ Cabasal is joining us to produce as well. The show keeps growing. Rate and review us. Tell a friend and please come back next week for more First Ballot. I love this podcast.